Welcome to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. Hey, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, we always talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. Today, I have with me a, to me, a very special guest, Trey Lancaster. Trey uh, is going to tell us about his life today and why is that significant. He and his family live in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. All right. Trey is a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, today, Trey, first, thank you so much, man, for hanging out with me and just being willing to come and talk about your life. Um, I want to start it a little different. Um, if you would, would you would you just tell me kind of how you came to faith in Jesus? Like your your or kind of the origins of your faith story. Yeah, man. Yeah, come well, on. Well, first off, TJ, it's just awesome to be here. But yeah, starting back uh, in Eatonton, Georgia, that's where I grew up. And so I grew up going to church, went to First Baptist Church, Eatonton, Georgia. And, uh, you know, I grew up hearing about the gospel. I grew up hearing about the Bible. And um, at eight years old, I remember uh, just kind of a specific uh, call to, you know, any of those that would come after Christ. And I just remember thinking, even at eight years old, and God was even working on my heart Uh, just with the people that he was putting into my life. I remember there was a guy that I was interacting with just at eight uh, that had Down syndrome, and God just kind of softened my heart with that, um, of just, it was kind of a, like, I, I can't describe it, but I just remember in that moment, he was kind of softening my heart, and it just kind of made my ears more uh, just open to the gospel, and I was just very accepting at that moment. So, so you were um, eight years old. I when was you came eight to years faith. old. Okay. Yeah. So, and so I was baptized, and um, I had some men starting poured into my life. But as any other person, you know, life happens. Sure. You go into your teenage years, you go into your college years, in uh, your high school years, and you begin to look back at that, and you're like, was I really saved then? I got you. And so uh, by God's grace, I can feel like that there was many tempting times in my life, but God would put the right person in my life for to help disciple me or to help me to come out of things. There was sin that I faced, but those never had just a, a chain on me. Um, I, got I feel you. like that I was able to uh, overcome those things. There was a lot of temptation. There was a lot of downs. Yeah. But Christ was the thing that always pulled me out of those things. And I feel like when I actually came to Tifton, Georgia, my freshman year of ABAC, it was kind of I was like at this crossroads, like, am I going to be living for Christ or am I going to be living for me? I didn't really see it that way, but that yeah. was what was laid out in front of me. And I think that by God's grace, I was able to walk down that path of living for Christ, and I was able to get involved with, uh, you know, Bible studies, uh, First Baptist Church of Tifton here, and then also yeah, you were involved in a in, in a small group here mm-hmm. or a Sunday school class small group here. 
But again, so if you guys have been watching the podcast, you know that Nick, who's been on before, Nick goes to ABAC. And when we say ABAC, it's Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College here mm-hmm. in Tipton, Georgia. That's, it's known kind of around the world for like turf grass. So, <laughs> Trey, you came to ABAC, and ABAC is kind of the place where you kind of got on fire about your faith um, exactly. and where you where you even started serving. Yeah. And, and this is a part of your story. I, I want to jump to small group discipleship and yeah. what a local body meant to you before entering into the mission field. But before we do that, there's a story. Um, and I was so looking forward to you being on today because this story is a story that I use and I don't want to get it wrong. I might, I might've told it wrong. Like it might've been like the, the, you know, like the, the 10 inch fish that turned into the 50 pound fish. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if that, if okay. I've storied you that way, but when you came to ABAG, you uh, you were following Jesus and right. beginning to be serious about your faith, but you decided to, um, you linked your life kind of with Young Life, yeah. which is a parachurch ministry that points teenagers, high schoolers to Jesus. It kind of meets them where they are yeah. uh, in their circles. And one of the encouragements of Young Life is become a coach, uh, substitute teacher, do something where you're putting your life, you're, you're intentionally putting your life... It, you know, alongside the life of students so that you can become friends with them and disciple them and point them to Jesus and be a Christian example. Tell me what you did at a school here to do that. Didn't you like, yeah, yeah. yeah tell me. Yeah. Tell, so, yeah. um, yeah, I, when I got here, I really got on fire for Christ and I knew that it wasn't just about me sitting in a church and just being poured in, poured in, um, I knew I needed to be pouring out into others. And so uh, guy, Pat Tolley, was big into Young Life and was like, dude, I think you'd be awesome at serving in this ministry. And so basically what it is is what you said, you know, plugging into a school and just finding a way to get into kids' lives and to tell them about Jesus, just looking for that door. So I um, began to serve with Young Life, became coach, and, um, you know, began to find ways to just get into the school. It started with sports, and um, I would just go and run practice with uh, the cross-country guys, and then it eventually turned into a job, and I became a janitor and was there (laughs) and uh, just serving alongside and just looking for ways. You know, I'm scrubbing toilets and then talking to high school kids. Some kids probably saw me as creepy, but, uh, you know, I'm just I'm looking for a way to just get into kids' lives and Uh, just to tell them about the gospel. And so what that kind of looked like was forming a relationship, texting them, seeing how things are going. And when things are getting tough, like being able to pour into them, meeting weekly and just kind of reading through a book of the Bible and just, you know. And so when you say meeting weekly, you were a groups leader basically, right? Weren't you like a small groups leader for Young Life? The reason, one of my favorite things about that portion of your story and and the gospel and Young Life and and just serving in general is like we always kind of paint it like, oh, if I'm going to tell the story of Jesus or if I'm going to serve people or love people, it's got to be from a stage or it's got to be from Mm. some vocational ministry. Even like I've got to be a missionary and go to Zimbabwe. Exactly, man. I do this, but what I love is like, no, like your local, like if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not quote unquote an uh, an influencer or some, you know, some leader. I'm a clerk at the store or I'm a server at a restaurant or I'm a janitor at a school. What I love about your story is like you rob the excuses from everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's like, well, no, no, no. Like, some of my most influential discipleship was when I was a janitor at a school here in Tifton. Like that's when I was pouring into students. And so I love that your story images for us and stories to us that 
you can be from anywhere, any walk of life, doing any job and still be someone who disciples. No, that's exactly that. right, love uh, TJ. And so, I mean, one thing that I feel like God just put on my heart constantly was that, like, God just uses the ordinary and makes us extraordinary. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just constantly reminded that, like, just your mundane routine of life, like use it for the glory of him. Like, yes, there are particular people that are called to uh, be on a stage. And there are some people called to be, uh, you know, missionaries or church planters, but God needs all of us to be in this boat. Like we're all called to be disciple makers. Absolutely. So, yeah. Man, that's awesome. Okay, so in the process of this, you're, um, and I'm just letting people get to know you, right? In the process Perfect. of your discipleship, in the process of you serving in Young Life, you and Caitlin, your wife is named Caitlin, and yes. you have, remind me of your kids' names one more time. No, it's Rayford, okay, I, Rayford's yeah. your oldest. So yes, that's you've got right. Rayford and Rince. Rince. And then Lawton is our youngest Lawton little girl. Lawton is your little girl. So two boys and a little girl. So, and you and Caitlin have been married. Ten years. Ten years. Yeah, this past May. So she was kind of your your partner through a lot of this. Like Absolutely. she was with you. She was your, yeah. you, you know, y'all were best friends just doing life here in Tifton as you were discipling other people. That's right. Um, so how did y'all meet? Yeah, so we met through a friend of mine, my, my roommate, and they went to high school together. Okay. And so she was going to school in Macon, Georgia, and we started to date through our college years. Cool. So we kind of did a little bit of long distance, but as soon as we got, um, we graduated, we got married in May of 2012. Okay. So what did you, what did, <laughs> so I want to ask this, but okay. what did she think like when you were like, hey, Caitlin, listen, I feel like God's calling me to, um, to serve students, and I'm going to go be a janitor so I can share the gospel with students. What was her response? What was yeah, so we were married when I was the janitor. The, the janitor part kind of came with, I'm looking for a way to plug into students, but yeah. it was also like, I need to be working. And, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. I always had yeah. a job kind of throughout, but I was like, this will be kind of two birds with one stolen. You know, I need to be working, but this will be a way that I can yeah. continue to do that. And so I knew that that's what I wasn't going to be doing forever, but it was for a season and I wanted to do it well. Gotcha. And so she was completely on board with yeah. it. Um, you know, it came to a point where um, we kind of phased out of serving, serving students, but discipleship started in other places. Sure. Yeah. So when you were here and you were on board um, with discipleship, what was the moment? Because you and Caitlin, when I came to Tifton, you guys were, um, you'd started to be a part of discipleship and um, uh, growing in your faith and and young married couple, right? What was the moment for you that, that you felt like, okay, I've been serving, I've kind of like been out of the box in the way that I'm going to engage students and Mm -hmm. share the gospel. What was the moment like? Can you walk me through what it, because we're going to get to the point of like your missionary journey, like you living in Zimbabwe and what you actually do there and how you and Caitlin serve with your family. But I want to hear about the moment, like what led you to this point, to this moment where you're like, I am going to uproot my family and my entire life and I'm going to another culture, another place, mm-hmm. and I'm abandoning the American dream, in a mm-hmm. sense, yeah. for the sake of the gospel. What was that moment? Was it a crescendo, like these little things that build into this crescendo of the gospel, this gospel clarity moment? Or was it like lightning bolt, kind of Martin Luther thing, like it's lightning bolt off a horse and it's like, hey, you're going to follow me? 100% crescendo, just like small little steps. So. 
if you allow me, I'll go back yeah, kind of before on. we were married. So sure. this time that I was in Tifton while we were dating, uh, Caitlin was very involved in her church at Ingleside Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia. Um, I was involved with Baptist Collegiate Ministries, Young Life, and also the church here. And during that time, I went on several short-term mission trips, went down to uh, short-term mission trips uh, after Hurricane Katrina hit, okay. went uh, to uh, mission, short-term mission trips after uh, the earthquake in Haiti hit, and uh, we did some disaster relief stuff. But as I was doing these things, I feel like God started really tugging on my heart. And so this is while Caitlin and I were dating. Caitlin also took some short-term mission trips separately from me down to uh, Peru and then also to Haiti as well. And then after we got married, we did a short-term mission trip to Jamaica. Um, remind me that place's name again. American Caribbean Experience That's is what it. they call Ace. it. It's Ace. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, St. Mary, Jamaica. Yeah. So the Lord, like before we got married, like, was tugging on our heartstrings, just like, sure. hmm, like it was something like I could see us doing this and kind of with our giftings and stuff. And I'll, and I'll explain on that more, but it was like the Lord was kind of drawing us into that. But sure. it was something that never really went away, and it just kept growing and growing. Um, after Caitlin and I got married, she got we were still here in Tifton, Georgia, and she got her master's in ag leadership and education at the UGA campus. Okay. My degree was in diversified agriculture at ABAC. I got my bachelor's there. And so uh, for two years, I just worked at uh, Trias Ag Group with uh, Mr. Charles Taylor okay. and Nick Taylor. Yeah. Um, so uh, we <clears throat> served there, and uh, I worked there, and Caitlin got her master's degree. But the Lord was still really tugging on this. I knew that, like— me working in the ag field or just being a farmer for the rest of my life wasn't what God was calling me to do, but I didn't know exactly what he wanted us to do. Okay. So we were praying and praying. We were on our knees praying about it. Um, and so Caitlin and I are newly married, and one thing that I wanted to just like hop, uh, get a little sidetrack note was so thankful for First Baptist Tifton investing in us, especially in the Sunday school classes being newly married, like we needed Christ as the foundation for our marriage, and FBC Tifton did that for us, That's and awesome. so it That's was awesome. really cool. But we were kind of exploring, like, all right, what would long-term missions look like? So we were uh, kind of applying uh, to, like, Samaritan's Purse and other uh, mission-sending agencies, and we kept getting, like, denied, denied, or not right now. There would always be choosing someone else and stuff. And so we kind of asked, which, like— Which is okay. crazy. Let me interject because, yeah, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, like, the North American Mission Board, International Mission Board, like, mm -hmm. were has been, been in the process of, like, needing missionaries, yeah, right? Like, yeah. like people aren't— People aren't going in a sense yeah. in the way that we've been commanded. So that's right. The fact that you were getting rejected is kind of crazy to me, right? A little bit. I would say back in 2012, it was a little bit different than okay. the feel that we're feeling now. In gotcha. 2012, everyone was kind of like happy and set. And I think maybe there were some financial issues with some of the sending agencies and weren't really this strong push that we see now. I got you. Um, okay. So. You know, but they were kind of slowly hiring and uh, recruiting missionaries and stuff. So, and we just kind of kept getting rejected. And it came down to like, um, you know, people, these agencies were looking for experience or some type of Christian education. Right. And so we had neither of those. We had some short term mission trips, but no like real grasp, uh, you know, uh, 
experience. So we started praying about it. It was like, what would it look like for us to have theological education? Or is that something, Lord, that you want us to go towards? And so I remember um, I went up there uh, and visited the school. God made it very clear, all right, this is the next step. Um, it wasn't like a, a voice spoken from heaven, but it was just kind of like, all right, you know, this is going to be a long, drawn-out process, but I just need you to trust me and just be faithful through the process. Now, you what seminary faithful. did you go to? I went to Louisville Sem- or Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. Okay, cool. Yeah, so awesome. I went up there, got a missions degree. While we were up there, we had two kids, Rayford and Rents. And so during that process, as I was also getting my missions degree, um, we started interviewing with the International Mission Board. Can and, I back you up for just a second? Absolutely. And, and here's the reason why. Yeah. I So I remember a phone call when you were, do you remember this phone call? I do, okay. I do. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. That's so, an important part that I left out. It, well, it, it is because um, I think people think sometimes that God has called me to something, so I'm going to blink, and it's kind of like the the Wizard of Oz idea, right? Like, just click your heels together and say there's no place like home. It's like, or click your heels together and say, God called me to Zimbabwe, and it's this easy process, and all of a sudden, I'm on the mission field. But you actually, you surrendered to the theological education and training, and I'm not advocating that you have to be theologically trained Absolutely. to be a missionary. That's, Absolutely. Not, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, But Same for here. you, that's what you felt like you were, I mean, that was the call, right? Absolutely. To go through the theological training. But in the process... You got a job at, was it FedEx or UPS? At UPS. Okay, so it was UPS, and it was grueling. Yes. Like the hours and the time and the educational aspect was like, it was no easy thing for you to be like dad, husband, UPS, and full-time student. Yes, that's right. Um, So at that time, I wasn't dad yet, but it was in the process. But the point is, like, I knew it had to be God's call. And I remember Wayne Rowe actually sat me down like, you need to be like 100% certain, like God is calling you to this. I remember being like, I think like, he tells Whoa. other people, like, if yeah. you can do anything else and be happy, do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember he told yeah. me that if you can yeah. do anything else, like, man, do that. <laughs> like, yeah. if you can farm, like, do that. Yeah. And I remember, like, I was like, Lord, if you want me to farm, like, if I, I would love <laughs> to sit sure. down and settle down and like buy a house and like Tifton is awesome. But it was just like, this unsettledness, not this peace. And I knew it was him calling because, man, like, I'm just not like your typical seminary student. Like, I went to ABAC for a reason because it's hands-on. And, like, I, like, man, reading for me is just, like, in the seminary, that's all it is. It's reading and writing papers. papers. And that's, like, my weakest thing. I was like, Lord, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to do it, literally, because this, this is not me. But I feel like this is one thing that you were making clear for us, and he got us through it. That's awesome. Now, it wasn't easy, but he got us through it by God's grace. So you're telling me, Trey, that God could call you something that would be difficult outside of your expertise, outside of your comfort zone, and outside of what you feel like was it was beyond your intellectual capabilities of what your perspective was for your life? Absolutely. That's fantastic. Man, I, 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 <laughs> I love it. Kind of yeah. looking back, we'll talk more about Zimbabwe in a little bit. Yeah. Zimbabwe is tough, but there were some days that I felt like seminary was tougher wow. just because, you know, um, it, it wasn't in my gifting. But I think sometimes we use that as excuse, like, man, it's not in my gifting, so God's not calling me to that. And uh, I think we need to walk that carefully. And, yeah. um, you know, 
sometimes we put God in a box and say, well, he can do this, but he can't do this. Sure. Um, but I don't think that people are saying, you know, like, um, well, I have no gifting in this. I, I think we have to prayerfully sure. go through that. I'm not saying that everyone has to go to seminary because I, I see brothers and sisters in Christ all the time serving God faithfully without a seminary education, and God is using them in remarkable ways. Yeah, but um, I can see what you're saying, how someone could use the, well, it's not my gift to, you know, it's not my gift to do this aspect of the larger call. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm only call, I'm only called to the things I'm really good at. Like, that's that's not who we want to be. That would be the cop-out, right? Like, that's exactly oh, I right. really love bass fishing so god must call, be calling me to be a tournament bass fisherman it's like maybe not yeah <laughs> yeah so no, absolutely that's cool and i and i prayed through that too it's like yeah. god are you calling me to be a professional duck hunter because i would yeah. love that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sure. you didn't so <laughs> yeah yeah so at, at that point then you you and caitlin are in seminary yes. and, and i say that intentionally you and caitlin because it is yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean it was um, just as much her as yeah when i was going through school it was like if she was doing nothing else she was praying for my sanity you exactly. know what I mean? exactly so f- for you take me up to the point to where you're wrapping up seminary yes um finishing all things louisville and then what yeah so we are finishing up but through that whole process i would say before i graduated we were kind of in with the International Mission Board, and their interview process is intense. I mean, they got to know us more than my mom knows me. Okay, uh, and my can, mom knows me a lot. Yeah, go can ahead. you tell everybody listening what the International Mission Board is? Yes, International Mission Board is mission sending agency through the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay, uh, so um, one little thing that I'll say, like a lot of times uh, around Christmas time, you might hear. Uh, the word Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And Lottie Moon was a really cool missionary lady and Baptist lover. And so uh, around that time, you'll be hearing of offerings, and that offering goes to serving International Mission Board missionaries. And uh, yeah. Am I right that it's Mm -hmm. that offering specifically, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that offering specifically, 100% of it goes to boots on the ground? That's exactly right. Okay, so it, it keeps, doesn't go to like administrative fees or some home office lights being on here in the states. That's exactly right. Okay. So, because um, I wanted to know that too, and yeah. so that's what I found out as well. It keeps missionaries on the field. Awesome. And so that's it goes to logistical needs. It goes to like our house, our vehicle, um, our medical care, all of those things. Caitlin was able to have, have Lawton, our one year old, in South Africa. And was really amazing, all thanks to Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So thank awesome. you all for that. Yeah, that's definitely a plug. If you're a part of now, I, I know that some of you listen and you don't even go to church, which is totally fine. I want you to keep listening. I love that you listen. Yeah. Some of you go to non-denominational churches, and I pray that you would give to and be a part of missions in your church. But specifically, so if you go to a Southern Baptist church, you will hear about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So you could give to that in confidence around Christmas time that your money's actually going to people like Trey and Caitlin who are on the ground in other countries doing the work of the gospel. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so you, you're in Louisville. God's working on this call in your heart. Yes. And then Tell me, like, so I interrupted you on the IMB thing. So yeah, yeah. jump back in to where you were. You started having conversations with the IMB. That's right. Awesome. That's right. So it was a long process, and they really want to be invested in who they're bringing onto the field because it's not an easy thing. You're going from America uh, to a whole different culture, and uh, it's a lot. And so if you have any kind of uh, issues or sin issue, whether it be medical or sin 
they want to find out those things because, uh, you know, they're putting in a lot of money, those Lottie Moon dollars, into taking you and your whole family. And so they're not just interviewing me. They're interviewing Caitlin. They'll interview our kids. Like, they want to make sure that your whole family is called to this place. That's great. And so they really take a lot of delicate time of working through things, working through issues, and making sure that you're taking this call very seriously. Mm-hmm. So I am thankful for that, that they really do take that interview process seriously. And for those that have... Um, you know, that have not been able to go through, I would say we're thankful at the end because, uh, you know, they were able to point out some real issues that they probably wouldn't have been able to deal with. Discovered. Yeah, and discover, and God is able to use them in other places that they can completely see that it wasn't the right fit for them. So they're trying to weed out who's really called and who's really not. Very cool. Yeah. So, So here we are. You're talking with the IMB. Y'all are, they're vetting you. That's what we'll call it, I guess, yeah, right? They're, yeah. um, they're vetting you and your family, doing interviews. How does Zimbabwe get brought into the mix? Was there, and this is what I want to ask. I don't want to jump any, I don't want to kind of jump through the story at any points. Did you have to go to language school or anything like that? What What did the process leading up to Zimbabwe look like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, we did language school when we got on the field, but kind of coming into Zimbabwe. So we were interviewing with the International Mission Board, and we had said, you know, listen, we don't feel called to a particular place, but we just want to go where there's a need. We have agricultural degrees and stuff. If you can use those, that's great. But if you can't, like, we just want to go to where there's a need for the gospel. And so that's kind so, of— So you're like, yeah, you're like, we don't care if you send us to Peru or Pakistan or northern Japan. Yeah. Just send us anywhere. I did say, I said, we have like, I feel like Lord is kind of leading our hearts to Africa a little bit. Okay. And I was like, but if there's not a need in Africa, we'll, we'll go wherever uh, there's a need. And so little did I know. So we got to rewind. Wild, our, man. Our, our story crazy. is crazy. So we've got to go back a little bit. So during that time at seminary, Seminary was great, but I couldn't have done it without a local church. Sure. They're the ones that really poured into me during that time as well. And the church was a way that I was able to kind of flesh out what I was learning at seminary. And gotcha. So I uh, attended a small country church um, up in Louisville, Kentucky, just kind of on the outside of the city called Redemption Hill Baptist Church. And that's where I was able to do kind of a pastoral intern. And the pastor there at the time uh, was pouring into me. We clicked really great and were able to work through a lot of stuff. And he taught me a lot. Well, him and his family were called to the mission field and they went to Zimbabwe. Okay. And so he's serving there in Zimbabwe and is doing theological education. That's kind of his main thing. He's kind of revamping a seminary that was kind of started by the International Mission Board a okay. long time ago, but International Mission Board pulled out. Um, s- some around in the 90s or 2000s, and Nick Moore, who is uh, the employee of the International Mission Board, him and his family went there to kind of help revitalize okay. the seminary. Cool. During that time, he was learning that, you know, the seminary would do really well and ministry would be going really well in Zimbabwe as long as funds from the states were coming in. Whenever the funds would stop, ministry would stop. Wow. And so he okay. wanted to see a way that that continued moving forward. 
So during his time there, he wrote a job description saying, we need someone here that can be doing agricultural ministry uh, like with the seminary to help sustain the seminary, but also to be training pastors that are there that can take these agricultural projects back to their rural areas and help sustain their ministries and their families. Awesome. And to use it as a way uh, to use as a door to get into communities for gospel evangelism and uh, church planting. Yeah, so it's like the Paul tent making model, really. In a exactly. sense, it's like we want to be able to we want to be able to to fund the ministry ourselves, so that if all money dries up, even if all money dried up completely from American mission sending agencies, we could be able to function and send people out. That's yeah, exactly amazing. right. That's, That's exactly amazing. right. So um, there was a couple of reasons for sometimes giving wouldn't continue. Uh, sometimes sure. there would be mismanagement of funds uh, from corrupt leaders or sure. things like that, and so people don't want to be giving to that. But if we can have something that's generating revenue in the country that's like hands-on right there and yeah. no one gets their share into their pockets, that was kind of a way. And the seminary sits on like 200 acres of land, so there's lots of wow. land to be able to use for these agricultural things. So he wrote a job description saying, we need someone to help do these because he's like, I'm not an agricultural guy. And so this was brought to our attention, and we're like, man. So we prayed a lot about it, and we really felt the Lord was saying, this is where I want you That's um, awesome. to use your agricultural stuff. But at the end of the day, agriculture doesn't save people. The gospel does. So yeah. we're using that completely as a door uh, just to um, use it for pastoral training, for discipleship, and for church planting. Awesome. So this is what I love. Your story, you're you're a kid from from America at ABAC, which mm-hmm. if those of you that don't listen that don't know ABAC, a, it's a very southern school, very very country school. All right. <laughs> I think the the slogan is Yeehaw Yeehaw Yay Backers. I don't know. It's yeah. it's very southern, very country, but and like in the middle of that, God takes you on this journey, like gives you these skills, these agriculture skills that in your mind at the moment, you're like, I am going to a, you know, a chemical company or farming or whatever. Like mm-hmm. your family's future is the primary point of your thought process in yeah. agriculture to start with. And God takes you from a small school in Georgia, and now you're leading, serving, operating in a ministry in Zimbabwe to help people be self-sustaining so that the gospel can reach the ends of the earth. No, that's exactly right. What's amazing to me and what I really want people to hear, and one of the reasons when when we were able to talk about you coming back in and y'all having some time here, is because we do we do think it it has to be you know this person that's that's got a particular set of skills or that's got you know God's looking for the the charismatic public speaker or he's mm. looking for the super talented Not musician me. with a with a pretty voice you know or you know what yeah, I'm saying or yeah. he's looking for the influencer and what and what I love is that it's it's what you said earlier the ordinary the common which I mean like. I can't farm, right? Like I, I like to ride a tractor and pretend like I can farm with our deer stuff, like our deer hunting stuff. But like, like the ordinary everyday skills and tasks that are in my mind pretty complex. You know, when it comes to to understanding the things that you do about farming and, and agriculture, it's those. Things, it's everything. Every vocation has an opportunity to be an avenue to share the gospel. That's right. And we forget that as a church, you know, and especially American Christian American Christianity, we've kept 
church in the four walls of the buildings that we call churches, right? Like we haven't allowed it to permeate into our, you know, whether we're doctors or nurses or clerks or mechanics or whatever. But like what I what you're saying, and I hope what you're picking up if you're listening today is that if you're if you're a mechanic and you're you you change oils, what Trey's saying is that you change oil to the best of your ability so that in changing oil, you can shine the gospel and hopefully share the gospel. That's exactly right. right. So it doesn't matter your vocation. If you're a doctor, if you're a heart surgeon, right? Like if you're a neurosurgeon, like you're, you're rerouting pathways of brains and reconnecting tissue, but ultimately you're doing that so that God would open a door for you to share the gospel. Yeah. It's amazing. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, in John chapter 15, he talks about the parable of the, the vineyard. Yeah. And the vine. And, uh, you know, that's what I also want to just share with all of y'all who are listening. Um, you know, whether you're called, like, I'm not saying in order to be faithful, you have to go to Zimbabwe. It's just like TJ was saying, like, being faithful with whatever God has given you and where you're at. Like, do that for the glory of Him. And the best way that you can do that is abide in Him. Like, yeah. Christ continues to say, abide in me and I will abide in you. Yeah. And uh, it's it's the work that he's going to do through you. There were so many times in uh, Zimbabwe, like your culture shock, new place, new time. There's so many times I'm like, God, I have no clue what I'm doing, or I have no clue how to handle this situation. Like this is way out of my box. Like you're gonna and like can you give you an, ex- show up. an example yeah. of one of those situations or yeah. some of those? Yeah. The, the so I would just and- like um, there were times with just like. Let's see. Just cultural issues of um, trying to think of a specific. There would be times where street kids would be coming to our house and saying, "Like, hey, we uh, have no food, have no anything," and so, like, you know, you're trying to figure out. Like, we've been warned several times. Like, there's just a lot of people trying to take advantage of you. Sure. And so now when you say street kid, yeah. unpack that for me. Is that yeah. ho- homeless kids? Homeless that kids live? on the street, okay. orphans. And so, but a lot of times they're really just into drugs and like they have parents. It's just a made up lie. And they're just, and so we're constantly told that by pastors and everyone that's tried to help these kids. Um, but there were several times where, like, we would just have to pray, like, Lord, you just got to show us, like, this is too tricky. Yeah. Um, but one cool t- thing was there was this one time this kid came up to us, and, like, the pastor was like, man, he's just pulling y'all's leg. We prayed about it, and we were like, how can we help you? And, like, he had been thrown out by his mom and was doing all this, and we were able to call his mom. His mom was able to come, and we were able to share the gospel with them, and they, like, both got saved. And, like, That's it was— awesome. And so it was, like, really yeah. amazing, like, just yeah. how, like— But, like, you just don't know how to handle those situations. Yeah. And they're— I feel like that's a poor example, but no, I think that's just, a per, I think that's a perfect yeah, example. Yeah, it's just like there was constant like these things like man, I don't really know how to handle this or these agricultural things like man, I don't know what to do like uh but God was continually faithful. One one crazy thing was like there was one time the monkeys were just like coming in and destroying our maize and I was like, "Lord, like I have no clue how to Handle all so these maize monkeys. is kind of like a grain, it, yeah. It's, sorghum, uh, yeah, kinda? it's uh, corn. Okay, basically. Corn. So right. we were growing corn at the seminary, and so I started praying. I was like, "Lord, like you got to do something about these monkeys." 
Well, then, like, two days later, I hear, it's like, hey, Baba Trey, did you hear that there's a leopard on the place? A leopard was driving out so those monkeys. So a leopard was eating the so monkeys. So like, you got to be careful what you pray for. Uh, you oh might get God. a leopard. But uh, it was just continuing to show, like, God's faithful yeah. through all the things yeah. that we don't know how to handle. And... Um, and so we're continually showed like his grace and his mercy. But what I want to get back to sure. is just abiding in him is like the only th- way that we can truly reproduce fruit. Whether it's fruit in the spirit or fruit of like many people coming to know Jesus, um, yeah. you know, people debate on which one that one is. But whether it is like it's you abiding in him and him abiding in you yeah. is the only way that we can truly have fruit. And so whether you're in Africa, whether you're um, a mechanic, or whether you're in school, whatever you're doing, or if you're a stay-at-home mom, like continue to abide in Christ, Yeah. Uh, just in loving him, seeking him, continuing. That's the only way that we can like truly know what obedience is going to look like. Absolutely. And not just, not just for the sake of, and, and this is one thing that I wanted to ask you about, not just for the sake of producing the fruit, but keeping you absolutely in the season because you and you and Caitlin you, you guys you birthed a child overseas yes but not only that during covid you you were completely isolated from even the opportunity to come home yeah and during that season Caitlin lost her mom that's exactly right so t- tell us a little bit about because again I don't I don't want to we're not just here to romanticize Absolutely. missions. The the cost of missions is high, and your family has paid that price. Mm. And what I keep like what I I love that you shared your abiding in Jesus on the front end because it's not it's not like hey our, our story's been rosy and perfect and everything was you know everything was good and we fly back and forth to America and we still have the comforts of home. Like you you moved your whole family and you've been uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations for the glory of God, mm. and you've suffered great hurt. Yeah, in a lot definitely. of ways on the mission field. But what you're telling me is that abiding in Christ is so good to you and mm. to your family that you would rather abide in Christ than experience the comforts of America and being outside of the will of God yeah. for you and your family. So so tell us a little bit about, if you will, just yeah. being separated from family during that time and that just that grief and walking through that. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to um, sure. that verse, you know, talking about that, because he also says those that don't produce fruit, like, are they break off from yeah. the vine and they're thrown away into the fire. And, like, you're exactly right in what you said of that he, he keeps you. Yeah. And through that, like, man, he kept us. We went, I've never faced sadness the way that I've faced and just loneliness but like, and Caitlin would say the same thing. Like, I mean, we still face that. We sure. still, like, as we're back in the States, we're reminded of all the times that we're not with her mom and the kids asking us about grandma, where's grandma? You know, and just kind of all the sacrifice, we can look back and just say, man, he's worth it because he's been faithful through all mm. of it. It's the only thing that has been our true joy. And like, I can't describe that. I can't, like, I can't explain that. Yes, it was some like we experienced some of our lowest lows that we've ever had in our life. Um, but Christ was the only thing that was able to really help us to get through it. Um, yeah. It, you don't, 
I do want to brag about all the things that God's doing in Zimbabwe. Yeah. Like I want to brag about, but I also want to just say like, we shouldn't have made it out of, like we shouldn't have made it healthy out of the mission field. Like we should have come home rattered and torn and said like, we're done. We're not going back. And, you know, we, we also um, lost some dear teammates at the time. Uh, the guy that I was telling you about, Nick, him yeah. and his family had to come back, and we supported them going back 100%, but we felt alone. We felt lonely. Uh, and it was during that time that, like, we lost Caitlin's mom, we had a newborn baby, and we're kind of right in the middle and the thick of everything, and God was, like, showing us, like, I've all you, I'm all you got. Mm. And he was enough. Mm. He was more than enough. And <laughs> oh, I'm telling yeah, you, man. so That's like, awesome. um, it, it was hard, but like, God is the only way we were able to get through it. Right. Like, it's, we had every reason possible to say, like, no, like, we're done. Like, this is too much. This is, there were several times I was ready to, and I, I there was times I told Caitlin, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't continue on. Like, I cannot continue on. And Caitlin would kindly tell me, like, don't tell me that. Tell God that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. just like, yeah. and, and I would tell God, and he would convict my heart and be like, who do you think you are? Yeah, sure. And co- convict me, and, and it would always bring me back to him. Sure. And always bring me back to where I'm not looking inward and looking outward. And he's the only reason that we're able to uh, serve faithfully on the field. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you guys are home now for? Yeah, it's kind of like a sabbatical. Okay. Uh, international missionaries, uh, mission board missionaries say like it's stateside assignment. Okay. Um, but we're here for six months. We'll go back to Jan- We'll go back to Zimbabwe in January 2023. Okay. So you'll be here for six months, and this is just a time for you to be to to see family, to connect, to be poured back into. Um, and, um, so, so here, here's a question where kind of, how did you, you launched ministry building the farm? Yes. We'll just say it that way, right? Yeah, you're growing yeah. maize, you're teaching people how to, how to farm, how to fertilize, how to take care of whatever pests they have you guys have in Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you're navigating that. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you left it, wh- what did you feel like? You, Cause you were there, y'all been there how many years? We've been there for three and a half years. So in three and a half years, what have you seen happen? Like, what's the transformation? Yeah. Just give me a snapshot, if you will, the okay. transformation yeah. so, and what you're going back to. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one thing the International Mission Board did want us to do for the first year that we were there is just really learning the language and learning the culture. Okay. So we spent a week uh, or a few days and a few nights in a village just uh, not long after we got there. I mean, in the first week that we were there. We went into a village and stayed with the village head and uh, just were able to learn about the culture, the customs, the food, and just kind of the way of life. And so we were able to learn a lot. And then through that kind of first year when COVID hit, we really uh, just kind of took that time to focus on language because we weren't really able to do a kind of whole lot when it was really locked down. So we just focused on learning language. The language there in Zimbabwe is Shona. Now, the trade language is English. Okay. So uh, it was established by the British um, way back in the day. And so the trade language there still is English. That's what's taught in schools and stuff. Okay. But the heart language is Shona. And it's a beautiful language. Uh, it's got a lot of vowels, and it kind of sounds like stuff from The Lion King. And, Very cool. Uh, it's really cool. So we learned that. Um, I wouldn't say that we're like 100% fluent because English is 
spoken so well there, but we know enough to, you know, talk to someone for 10 minutes and just kind of do the introductories. But if two people are talking back and forth, it can get over get my lost, head real yeah. quick. Yeah. So um, by God's grace, like we're able to get in a decent area into the language, just to sure. kind of use as a barrier to break down. Uh, just when we start speaking their language, their eyes just like open up and they're just amazed that we've taken that time to learn their language when you can easily just speak in English. Yeah, because that everywhere. shows an investment on your part, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. not just here to get something from you. Like, I've spent my time in my life to, to be a part of your culture and to understand a part of your, at least understand a part of it from That's a language right. perspective. That's right. So so you'll be here for six months. You, you're learning the language. Y'all, yeah. y'all spent that time learning the language. Yeah. What did the farm, what's the farm look like? Like, what did go from to what it is now? Yeah, so it was original. So there was some projects started kind of before we got there. Um, there was a big chicken project that was started at the seminary, and we kind of came into that as it was beginning. And so we've made some changes. It originally started with 4,000 chickens that were just laying chickens. And so it originally started that the students were supposed to run the chickens. Okay. Um, so kind of like what you had talked about earlier, the you know how I was able to kind of be able to get through seminary was I worked at UPS and was able to uh, work and they paid half and then paid half of my education as well. Okay. And so they would help pay my tuition fees. It's kind of the idea that we had um, with the farm. You know, a lot of these pastors from the rural areas aren't able to pay for their uh, fees at the seminary and stuff. So they would come and work alongside the farm. And so what we ended up doing was reducing that to about 600 chickens. And so that way we could have one person responsible, like a manager that's there full time. And we found someone that was very trustworthy in the community to run that 600 chickens, but then also to kind of diversify. And we've got goats, pigs, um, turkeys, and all kinds of stuff that we're diversifying quite a bit. That's a little bit smaller project. So that way, like for only focusing on chickens, like, someone that's going back to this area, chickens might not do well. So we wanted to do like kind of more smaller stuff that pastors could take back to if chickens are not doing well, maize and soybeans and ground nuts and maybe goats would do really well there or pigs. And so those are the things that we um, had kind of focused on during that time. Um, Kind of leading up into that, when we first came in, we had built some good relationships, but it was kind of like, okay, you do it and, you know, you do your thing. But we were able finally to get the seminary to have ownership over these projects. Sure. And so, and Caitlin really helped with that. There was something about Caitlin had just a, like a softness and a sweetness about her that She's they just love. Man. She is People so sweet. Yeah. And so like I People got along. People love you too. But, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. like I got along with the staff at the seminary, but when Caitlin started coming in and kind of explaining the importance of all this, like they really got on board. And so what was awesome was like you could tell that they're really starting to get on board with these projects. That's awesome. And when we had to leave to go to South Africa to have Lawton, and then when Caitlin's mom died unexpectedly and we had to go back to the States, we were away from the seminary for, like, more than three months. Mm -hmm. And so, like, before that, if that would have happened, like, everything would have probably fallen apart because it was just kind of me and Caitlin running the show and kind of doing everything. But we were able to have people that kind of took ownership and took and stepped up and started seeing the benefits of these agricultural things 
um, at the seminary that it helps sustain them. Very cool. And so they, uh, the principal and uh, the students there have really taken quite of ownership, and it's going well right now. That's I awesome. talk to the manager of the chicken house uh, every day, and we talk, not every day, but every week, and we always talk about, uh, you know, the things that are going on, and they're, they're doing awesome. Did y'all have like a, a big barbecue? Because you went from 4,000 chickens to 400 chickens. It's like, yeah. like 3,600 meat chickens somewhere, yeah, no, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, at, they typically have a 90-week lifespan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when it came to that 90-week lifespan, what we did was we sold them all off in town. Gotcha. Uh, so typically like a meat chicken will go for like 6 to $8. Yeah. But an old rundown layer chicken uh, that said at the end of its life will go for 3 bucks. Gotcha. So we sold all those, and then we used that money to reinvest into the farm That's to awesome. get 600 chickens and also kind of uh, all of our seeds for the garden, for the fields in the back to plant. That's to, awesome, uh, man. Yeah, so... That's kind of what we did. That's awesome. But a barbecue would have been awesome. A bar- well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, obviously you're like, no, we reinvested that, dummy, right? <laughs> um, so last couple things. Yeah. Um, you guys are here for uh, just a few more months, um, and then you're back on the field. You'll be on the field at that point. We all stay for four years. Is it four years without a furlough? About, about three and a half, but three and a half to four three years. Three and a half to four years. Yeah. Um, for people listening who are praying, people who might want to pray for you guys, going back, what are some things that you know we could partner with you um, to pray for you guys? So here's just kind of a two-part question. One, what are some things that we could, those of us that are listening that are praying people and um, in our church, what could we pray for you? And two, if people want to know more about you guys, and uh, I know there's a newsletter, right? Like yeah. there. So would you tell us, one, what we could be praying? And then before we go, just... Let everybody know how they could follow along with your story and your projects and those kinds of things that they could see and follow along with. Just let everybody know. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that when we left the field, Lord put this on my heart and put it on Caitlin's heart separately was discipleship. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. That's what it started in at Tifton was discipleship. Sure. And leaving Zimbabwe, yeah, we did a lot of agricultural stuff. We did some evangelism. We did some. We saw some church planting and stuff happening. And the churches there are doing a great job of doing evangelism and uh, and church planting. But discipleship is really the missing mm. key. And so, kind of before Caitlin and I left, Caitlin took a small group of girls and really poured into their lives, and I took a small group of men and poured into their lives. And so, like Lord left that as just a burden onto our hearts mm. that when we come back, we really want an emphasis on uh, just discipleship and then also a healthy church. Yeah, um, there's so many things that can easily infiltrate uh, the churches here in America and also especially in Africa. Sure, and so uh, those are the two things that we're really um, have been praying about this stateside and would love for y'all to continue to pray just as we go back um, of how to best um, work in discipleship and healthy church into our ministry that we're doing with agriculture. Awesome. Yeah. So discipleship and healthy church. Yeah. Man, we, yeah, we would love to partner in prayer with you. And now, um, as we go, what is, where is, first of all, let me just say thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for sharing a part of your story. I know, I mean, we could talk for hours about all that God has done and is doing, but I'll say this from, uh, sitting here in Tifton, seeing God take you through a back or from a back, uh, 
into uh, seminary and from seminary to Africa, just what God has done in your life. It's been a joy to look in on and see your and Caitlin's faithfulness to the glory of God and to the mission of God. So thank you, man, for uh, for following Jesus. You you are one of those people that could, you would never say this, but you're one of those people that um, you could say to the world, like, follow me as I follow Christ. And, uh, and, and people would benefit from following that example to say yes to Jesus. So I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity as a church and, and, and as somebody that knows you personally to be able to look in on that. But tell everybody before we go, how can we follow along with your story, get updates, that all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So Caitlin's email, I need to have Caitlin on the show. to She, she handles kind of the newsletter and everything, yeah. but we do have a newsletter, and that's kind of typically how we stay in touch with everybody. So if you email Caitlin at kkrlancaster at gmail.com, um, she can just say, hey, I want to get signed up for the newsletter. She'll get you signed up and... Um, just also, when you email her, she'll see that that email address, and if that's the email address you want to be where the newsletter is sent to your email, just let her know that. All right, tell them how to spell Lancaster real quick. Okay, just... so K-K-R-L-A-N-C-A-S-T-E-R at gmail.com. Awesome, awesome. I hope you all got that. I hope you're right now pulling up your phone while you're listening to this so you can email Caitlin and get on the newsletter. Yeah, Listen, absolutely. Trey, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you, um, guys. You guys are a blessing to us, and it's awesome to look in on your story and see all that God is doing. Hey, we appreciate you much, man. You are a blessing to us as well. Thank you so much for having us. It's oh. a joy to be here. Amen. All right. Listen, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. And listen, uh, if you want to know more, you heard the email. So sign up for it, get the newsletter and uh, find out what they do with the rest of those 600 chickens. All right. And what God is doing (laughs) in their lives and how the gospel is advancing in Africa. Um, Y'all be blessed. See you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. For more content, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. If you have any questions you would like to ask TJ, whether it is about life, leadership, or the gospel, you can email those to TJ Malden Leadership Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us again on the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast.